Welcome to the Elm City Church Podcast. As a community of people who are trying to practice the way of Jesus together, we hope that these messages inspire and equip you for the journey of faith in everyday life. We have been camped out in our series through the book of Ephesians, and I'm going to continue on uh, our last section of Ephesians chapter 2 today. Um, So if you would turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, we'll get started there. And I just want to read our passage to get started. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We're just going to be looking at one verse today, and it says this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Father, we do ask today that as we look to your word, that you would be ever-present in speaking to us. We know that your word is alive and well, and we welcome you to speak to our church today about all that you have to say. Give us ears to hear you and eyes to see you, and we pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Well, for the past few weeks, we've been camped out in Ephesians 2, as I said, and we've been exploring the concept of salvation. I hope it's been helpful for you. Um, you know, the, the first week we talked about what salvation is, uh, and then Albie last week unpacked more about this topic by looking at what salvation means. And this morning, I'd like to finish up our time by talking about Paul's letter to the Ephesian church and talking specifically about what we have been saved for. Uh, right out of the gate, Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we are God's workmanship. The Greek word here used is the word poimia, of which we derive the English word poem. It quite literally means a work of art or a masterpiece. And it shows us that you and I are not just ordinary beings, but rather we have been uniquely created by God. Each of us here have been created by God, and we are not just ordinary, we are extraordinary. We are his masterpiece. One day, Michelangelo, the great Italian sculptor, painter, architect, and poet of the High Renaissance, was asked what he was doing as he was sitting there chipping away at a shapeless rock. And I love his answer. It's so classic. He said, I'm liberating an angel from this stone. If you know the works of Michelangelo, that is humorous. Incredible. I was just this week just looking at some of like his statue work and just like it's incredible the gift that God had given him to be able to capture in that way. You know, in our case, God is the master sculptor. And he is in the business of liberating a bunch of masterpieces here in this room from stone. But let's be honest for a second. We don't always feel that way, do we? We don't always feel like we are a masterpiece. And I think there's a few reasons for this. But one that I think is that very often you and I don't actually believe this about God. Yes. And we also don't believe it about ourselves. We don't see ourselves as his masterpieces. And I think part of the reason for this is that because we we are keenly aware of our own flaws, aren't we? We are deeply aware of the fact that we are still a mess. 
We are still in need. We, are, we still sin. We, we still turn our backs on God. We, we revert back to our old nature. I have to imagine that Paul, the writer of this letter in Ephesians 2, where he uses the very specific word masterpiece, and I don't think it's by accident, but remember, this is Paul speaking. Paul, the writer of half of the New Testament and this letter. Paul, the former persecutor of Christians. Had to have been aware of his own past when thinking about some word choices that he used to this letter or this letter to the Ephesian church. Yet this is how he describes himself and us to the Ephesian church. Masterpieces. This is the word he uses. So how can we see ourselves in the way that Paul wrote about and the way that God sees us? How can we see ourselves as God's masterpieces when we don't feel like it? Well, I think we need to embrace the fact that we are still in process. We are still under construction. How many um, have been down by the, um, have seen the new roundabout going in down by the Walmart Sierra uh, Plaza? Okay, right? It's a mess, right? <laughs> They've been working on that thing for quite a while. We've seen the, the, the beginnings of that. You know, whenever they put those huge, you know, uh, cement uh, conduit type things over on the side of the road, you know something big's going to be happening? Well, that's the case for us. Um, there are dirt piles everywhere. There's holes, there's cones, there's bricks, there's wire. Still yet, there are signs of change. Uh, in fact, if you go down there and if you've been around it, the circle is actually pretty functional right now. I think it's actually made a pretty big difference. I actually consider going that way now. <laughs> it's functional, right? But it's still under construction. And at some point, we're going to see that change and morph into a more beautiful area. And there's going to be... Um, just functionality there. But for now, it's under construction. And I think this is how we need to think of ourselves. Uh, you are God's masterpiece, but you are still under construction. You're not done yet. You, know, you might not feel like a masterpiece, but listen, God has the end in mind that you might not necessarily see right now. And he promises this to be true in his word. Philippians chapter one, verse six says, one of the most um, well, one of the most well-known verses in the Bible, it says this about God's work in us. And it says, I, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So this is God's commitment to you, if you will, that God is committed to working in you. And yet our passage today shows us that he is doing this work through you. Not only is he doing a work in you, but he is doing this work through you, and it's for a specific purpose, that he can work through you in the world around you. So if we look at uh, the second part of our verse, it says, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So we did not create it ourselves. God created us, and thus we belong to him. As his workmanship, we have a purpose and it is not, contrary to popular belief and how we typically live when we live into our rebellious nature, it is not for us to determine our purpose. I uh, am so often reminded that God has a different plan than I do 
for my life. Sometimes we want God's approval for the plans that we've already made. It's like, do you like my plans, God? I made these great plans. I just want your approval for them now. Rather than stepping back and actually seeking God what he wants for our lives and following him in that. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. Our purpose is not just to exist, but to do good works that bring glory to God. And it's a great assurance to know the hope of salvation, is it not? If you're in Christ today, it is a wonderful thing to know that you've been granted a gift of salvation. It's great to know that we are in Christ, that we have been saved from the penalty of sin and death and have been given eternal security in Jesus Christ. But I think, as we think about the reality of salvation and how it plays out, I think that the personal higher fulfillment comes through being an instrument through which God works in the world right now. I think the actual, the, the, the higher value is not just the assurance of salvation, but knowing that God is going to use the assurance of our, our security in him to work in us and through the world around us. So I wanna uh, do something with you guys this morning to help illustrate this point. And I know as a church that this church is, is really good at singing. I've heard you. I've heard you sing, and I heard you this morning. And so what I want to do is kind of illustrate what it means to sort of work together to create something beautiful. And I'm going to see if we can do this today. So this is a little bit of an experiment. Hopefully, you'll oblige me. Hopefully, you'll participate. Um, we're going to test your ability to sing today. So let me, get, let me get my first note here. Sorry, Sean, I got to take this off real quick. You don't need that. All right, so I'm, gonna, I'm going to have each section in the room sing a certain part. And I want you to just keep hold the note, okay? So the middle section all the way back to the wall. Ready? Mm -hmm. Keep it going. Sounds great. All right, now over on this side. Keep going. if you can follow me. Go. Give yourselves a hand clap for that. Wow. Especially this middle section, they're turning red. <laughs> when God works in us, um, he brings the church together specifically. Uh, he can create something beautiful. To sing a melody of good works, bringing harmony and joy to those around us. And as we walk in obedience to God's plan for our lives, our good works can produce a beautiful symphony of his purposes in the world. 
So this is an illustration of what he can do in us when we work together. And you don't have to reach a certain level for God to work through you in this way, pop, you know, contrary to popular belief. Um, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine this past week about the reality that if you look down the list of names in the Bible considered to be the heroes of the faith, uh, you'll notice that they are all flawed. Just, just give, give, give it a try. <laughs> Think about David, a man after God's own heart. As you begin to think about the ones that are spoken about and talked about in history, you'll notice that they're all flawed. Some committed egregious sins, um, and yet God still used them. And that's not an excuse necessarily, uh, or to say that sinful actions don't have harmful effects or serious consequences. But it is to say that God can still use us. Uh, In fact, he wants to use us. Isn't that amazing? It's like he can use us, but actually, no, he wants to use us. It's like he loves us, but he also wants to be friends with us. We are the tools that he has to work with. Can you believe that? That's, I'm blown away by that, that fact that we are his A-game, right? This is like the church committed is, is his plan for the world around us. It's just incredible. And because God does glorious work with imperfect tools, he gets more glory. See how this works. Think of it this way. If a surgeon can operate in a jungle with a pocket knife, that's a really good surgeon. If a builder can build a home with an old hammer and a bent handsaw, that's a skilled builder. If somebody can play Beethoven's Ninth Symphony on a flute made of bamboo, that's an accomplished musician. And if God can change the world through people who are dead, are sinful, a people who have been reanimated and saved, that is a great God. So you are saved for good works, not by good works. Uh, We cannot earn our salvation through our good works. But as believers in Jesus Christ, we were created to do good works that flow out of our faith in him. And number three, Following along in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says that God prepared good works for us. As we look at this last part of the verse, we discover that the works that we've been called to do have actually been thought about already. It's incredible. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that God prepared beforehand the good works that we should walk in. So not only does God have a plan for our lives, but he has prepared beforehand, the good works for us to do that are in line with his plan for us. And notice something with me right here for a second. Paul does not say good works that we should do them. He says good works that we should what? Walk in them. There's a big difference here. The good works are not our good works. They are God's good works, works that he is already doing. And we are being invited to join him in his good works. It's not that we are working for God in the world, but we are working with God in the world. It's sort of like an apprenticeship under God. And as we walk in obedience to God's plan for our lives, 
we can trust that the good works that we walk in will have an impact for eternity and ultimately bring glory back to God. But I wanna circle back to something for a second because I think that this is where we're gonna have the most trouble. It's where I've had the most trouble in my life. Is believing that you are God's masterpiece. I really do think that this is the trouble that we're gonna have. This is where most of us are gonna struggle. You know, we, we've talked about it from time to time around here at Elm City, that identity drives action. Maybe you've heard that here before. Identity drives action. Listen, if you're struggling to believe who you are in Christ, it's going to impact what you do in his name, including the good works that he has planned for you from the beginning. And I believe today that part of what God wants to do is to remind us of who we are in him. And when we understand and yet are brought back again to the reality of the truth of the gospel, it will impact the way that we see ourselves. It will impact the way that we view our identity in Christ. It will impact the way in which we live in the world. And so I wanna show you a video uh, in closing here today. Uh, It's called God's Chisel. It's been around for 15 years at this point. I remember showing it to our youth group back at our church in Pennsylvania. And uh, it's always had an impact on me, and, and, and I believe it always will, but I feel like it will have an impact on some of you today. It's just a really good way of illustrating what God has done uh, in us and what he wants to do through us as a result. Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I look in the mirror, I don't see a masterpiece, but I want to. So I go to God and I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, would you do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your Son? Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. No, who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. That's how it works. (laughs) You're not God. No, I am. Okay, uh, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is a very short book. It only has five chapters. Why is it so short? I was tired of lamenting. You are God. What's that about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. This is the process. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Let's get busy. Okay. I'm going to bring up things in your life that don't belong in your life. And uh, start right here. Your anger. Ow! I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrongest of ways. You compare yourself to others instead of me. And you lie. You tell little white lies. You're so afraid of confrontation. You're becoming a people pleaser. Okay, time out. Um, I think you've done some really good work, and I'm looking pretty good right now. When you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, but when I look like Jesus, people get uncomfortable, and I don't think I'm supposed to do that. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. No, what I'm saying is you've grown me to here. Maybe we take a break from each other for a while, all right? And then I'll stay here, and then you come back, and we can grow some more. You never just take a break from me. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but you never just plateau. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things in your life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, chisel. No, no, chisel. All right, here we go. Can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Okay, sorry. (laughs) This right here, that secret sin, that thing that you run to whenever you're hurting, you're angry, you're lonely, you're tired. Do you want to keep rearranging this in your life or do you want me to chisel it out? 
It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's your whole life. Oh, this, this hurts, okay? I don't think you understand this pain. Don't talk to me about pain, I know all about pain. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you are doing in your life that are insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. I know, but I've let you down so many times, God. No, you were never holding me up. Okay, then chisel away. But just be prepared for what you're going to find in there, because I know who's inside there. God, I get up every morning, and I hate what I see in the mirror, because inside is this scared, stupid kid, and I try. I try, but I can't. I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. So chisel away and just know what you're going to find in there. You have listened to so many voices, so many critics for far too long that are not for me. And you've bought into the lie. You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night, at the end of the day, you think you're junk. I don't take time to make junk. I want to show you something about my love. Reach in your back pocket. This is a... It's a page from a notebook when I was in college. How'd you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, read it. Dear God, did I hear you right? You said you want to use me. But I feel really useless. But if you can take this life, this mess of a life I have, and do with it what you want, I love you, God. I love you, too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. It's going to be tough. Yes. But you bought into the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you said yes to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there, and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God. No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you. But maybe for the first time in your life, the way I made you, the way I created you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. You are an original masterpiece. such a great reminder that God's not finished with us yet. We are still his masterpiece, and God wants to make your life a masterpiece, but here's, here's the deal. You only get one canvas. That is, you only get one life. So let us walk in obedience to God's plan for our lives, doing the good works that he has prepared for us as we live for his glory. We hope this message has been impactful. For more information about how you can connect with Elm City Church, visit elmcitychurch.com or follow us on social media. We'd love to help you take some next steps.